Live from an unmarked space in Fox's full schedule is KBBL <laughs> Simpsons Chat. Oh, I know that was terrible. Anyway, I'm Dave. And I'm Melissa. Okay, and for those of you who happen to be watching along with us, I'm starting to play the episode now. And for those of you who are listening on the bus or at the gym, that's going to mean very little to you. Of course. Anyway, so um, I, I happen to choose this episode and... Um, I suppose it's mainly because I'm quite torn when it comes to this one, because there's a lot of good things when it comes to this episode. There, there are some really funny moments, and I love the directing. And I uh, love Troy McClure. Troy McClure is awesome. Um, I really do, I really do like Troy McClure. He's, he's one of my favourite characters, and Phil Hartman... Um, Anything the, he touches is gold. The, the late great Phil Hartman. I mean, I was a huge fan of news radio. Um, made this introductory section really funny, but there are a few aspects of this episode that have made me nervous and a bit apprehensive and a bit annoyed, and which I will be going into as this episode oh, progresses. <laughs> it won't be as exhaustive and annoying as Mel's making out, but um, yes. Anyway, so so he, here we we're entering the um the the first section of of this format busting episode. <laughs> that is the term officially given to him. Uh, where we go into you know Chief Wigan PI, which is an odd name, seeing he's no longer police chief, and. I mean, this is the this is the segment which I like. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think? What do you think of it? Oh, we were both laughing pretty hard. Um, I I think I, I'm probably young enough that a lot of the references would have been completely lost on me had I not wasted a year of my life watching Nick at Night when I had cable TV. <laughs> oh, so much bad programming. And yeah, I got to watch a lot of the spin-off shows that. Uh, being paid out in this section and the next one. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, in our previous podcast, I kind of grew up on reruns of The Brady Bunch. So the third section is just almost like a homecoming to me. Um, I, I thought this was really well done, this section, because it is uh, a very nice uh, parody, uh, a gentle mockery of these kinds of, um, you know, PI crime-fighting shows where mm-hmm. it's uh, all shooting and no blood and uh, it's all that intense investigation but you have the same three bad guys every single episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Essentially there are only ever four plots in a show like this and I think they managed to include all of them <laughs> in this little seven-minute sketch. Mm-hmm. I've got. To, I mean, I've got to agree. I've spent a lot of my childhood watching crappy shows like this as well. Um, it seems to be a bit of a rite of passage for our generation <laughs> that we have to watch, you know, at least one crappy um, cop show. We have to watch at least one show which involves children who go to alternate dimensions. <laughs> um, I know I watched two shows that involved that, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I mean, I really did appreciate a lot of the a lot of the humour in this. Um, the, the introductory credits included a scene which looks like it was deleted from this one, you know, where Chief Wiggum gets bitten. Yes. Uh, an outtake, if you will. Yes, yes. Um, being odd that there'll be an outtake of 
um, a show like something like this. Shows like this generally don't have any outtakes at all. Um, I love this crocodile. Yeah. For the, for those of you who aren't dedicated enough to have the DVD on, we're at the scene where a crocodile gets <laughs> shot through. The court, the court <laughs> crocodile is awesome, but <laughs> but yeah, this I mean, all all three segments bring in use all the different conventions for spin-offs. That's you know? a sexy looking crocodile. Yeah. But you you love crocodiles. I do. I'm mad for. You know that that, that crocodile. Oh, if, the crocodile, the reptile saw they moved to the other, to one of their other stores. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, a lot of the spin-off conventions, like, the Simpsons are in each of the sketches. Mm-hmm. Well, especially the third one, but... The morning, yeah, the whole, oh, look, it's the Simpsons! Oh, dropped in to say hi, and, um... Mm-hmm. I suppose one of the reasons why Frasier worked as a spin-off is because they got them and said, let's move them to another city so we won't be tempted to bring in all the old characters. And yes, while they still bring in, you know, Lilith and they still bring in his, you know, Frasier's son and whatnot, they don't really play a big part. They're only visiting. Mm. Uh, And that's what makes it work. But a lot of crappy spin-off shows involve this, oh, look who's come, and... Oh, look, it's the people you were originally interested in. Please Mm-mm. keep watching. Keep the ratings. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but um, one of the concerns I have about these segments is, um, and they, they went over this in, in the commentary, is that the problem with making fun of something that's bad is that you risk making something that's just bad. <laughs> um... And, you know, this segment, I've got to admit, is, it strikes a very fine balance between, you know, between a certain, between imitation and, and parody and humour. Mm. And there are times in the other two segments in which they cross that line, and I'll sort of, I will mm. point them out when they, when they appear. Point them out and beat them. I'll point them out and beat them to a bloody pulp. Um, but... And this is where um, what Matt Groening really got very nervous uh, about, in that he was, he was concerned that they'll just make an episode which was just bad. Um, so They have made episodes that were just bad, like that one with that baseballer and his slut wife. What the fuck was that about? Which one's that one? <laughs> in one of the later seasons where Homer decides to play marriage counsellor to this baseball star and his wife who's singing and not happy with their relationship. <laughs> I want that 20 minutes of my life back, okay? Well, um, later seasons notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> but then again, um, Matt Groening seems to actually be opposed to quite a bit of things that's on The Simpsons. Oh, it's <laughs> hard to imagine that it's, that it's his show. Uh, there's... Many times in the commentaries they say, we didn't go for this earlier on because it was considered to be too wacky and we decided to go for it in season seven. And, um, but um, my wondering about what actually Matt Groening does on the show um, aside, uh, there is certainly a bit of legitimacy to his concerns regarding this episode. I think this segment is the strongest of the three gets presented. I think one of the reasons why it's the strongest 
is because it does tread that fine line between you know being a parody and being a cheap painful knockoff but the reason i think it manages to stay on the side of good and light is that it does point out all the absurdities in these kind of shows mm-hmm. like it does point out that all the bad guys are really obese and that they always have to have these chase scenes with these really tubby guys kind of laboring along <laughs> And, you know, the scene that we just watched now with him running into the house and then ducking into his chair and then turning his back to them and then just rotating around slowly and calmly. Well, that, that's very much a James Bond um, payout there. And, and yet he's very he's slowly, slowly getting, getting away, away, Chief. Oh, let him go. And there's been, when I was a kid, I used to watch shows like this and I'd be like, you could just get him right now. He's your mortal enemy. Why are you letting him get away in such an easy manner? Those, the early episodes of these shows I'd actually have a logical explanation about why the bad guy will get away sometimes. And <laughs> and later on, as the show goes on, they just don't bother. You know, they just, you know, go, oh look, he's uh, suddenly a helicopter appears and they fly away and it's all something along those lines and I'd go, why don't you use that, you know, shoulder-fired missile you've got lying on the floor. Because clearly the bad <laughs> guy is protected by a prop shield. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, um, that I've got to agree that yeah, what makes the first one strong is, yeah, this very self-conscious um, parodying of what makes that genre ridiculous. Alright, so we're up to the lovematic grandpa. And this is kind of meant to be a parody of just those shows that are based around really, really sad, pathetic people using wacky hijinks to succeed. Mm. And I have to admit, uh, I'm quite a nasty person because <laughs> I just laugh so hard at most sad lines. Like when he goes, oh, I'm so lonely. And I cackle at that. <laughs> That's like the height of the show for me. Anyway, a bit of a... Okay, just to show... This was actually loosely based on a show called My Mother the Car. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Um, I don't know very much about it. I've only known a bit about what I've read, what I've read on capsules and what I've heard on the commentaries. It involves you know, this person's mother being in a car and um, giving them advice and whatnot and trying to help him out. Mm-hmm. And it came out in the commentaries that James L. Brooks wrote for <laughs> My Mother the Car, which um, is quite an interesting um, little side note because um, apparently, you know, the makers of the of the show and the people, you know, and the executive producers and whatnot um, watched it when they were kids, so that was an interesting bit of background. But it's very much, it's, my problem with it is, Partly because it is a little bit schizophrenic, this episode. It starts out as a very 1970s-style sitcom. Mm. You know, very I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. Very, well, very I Dream of Jeannie. You know, like Homer coming in and the cheering and the laugh, background laugh track for stuff that, you know, really isn't all that funny, but it mm-hmm. becomes funnier because of the laugh track. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, and then it sort of twists into this sort of Mrs. Doubtfire sort of... Have you, there's a show which I, which used to be playing on Saturdays, which I, I can't, which they don't play anymore, called That's So Raven, in which you has got to, you know, the main character's a girl called Raven who, you know, has the ability to see into the future and she's at a high school and involves a lot of wacky hijinks because, and it involves just a lot of farce and a lot of, you know, you know, somebody getting, you know, like, whatever, like a, you know, that they've got a, a star coming and, 
you know, that they find out and they have to try to cover it up and or whatever. And it's very much, it's a very bad show, but it's good because it's so bad. And you pay me out for watching Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's sort of, it's, it feels like it's not really here nor there. No, see, I disagree with you. Through. I think it does fit the genre. I think mm. that, I mean, have you watched I Love Lucy? Mm. It, it kind of, you know, starts with a premise that, oh, makes a bit of sense, and then it turns into wacky hijinks, and then mm. they kind of hit the reset button at the mm -hmm. end. And um, this fits into that. I mm. mean, I think that perhaps they could have worked a bit harder to point out the absurdity of these situations rather than playing right into them. Mm. But, um, I mean, I kind of like the, the big laughter and the hooting that they've whacked in over the top of this because <laughs> I just remember watching TV shows as a kid and saying, why are people laughing at that? Mm. And I still do now. I hate laugh tracks, I'll be honest with you. And I mean, um, I suppose one thing's because when I, when I watched the commentary, the writer actually said that he's not really familiar with the genre which um, really confuzzled me. <laughs> um, and it, I, don't, I, think you, I think you don't have to be familiar with the genre. I think that there is enough pop culture referencing to it. I think that there have been enough repeats of mm. these dodgy, dodgy shows that you kind of can get the gist of it. Mm. And I do think that if the writer had been more familiar with the genre, yeah, okay, maybe it could have been a stronger episode, but it also could have sucked just as hard, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I suppose, I mean, one my problem with this is that, yeah, it, it just, it felt like it was a little bit too close. It, it, if, I mean, while, yeah, there is a bit of laughing at the absurdity of the laugh track and the, the silly sort of playing to camera stuff when he's sort of, <laughs> when he's sort of mad Ben and kissing and, but... And just how know. lonely everyone is. Yeah, but, I don't know, they, they could have created, as you said, a little bit more space by, a little bit, with a little bit more reflection. Mm, mm. Um, but at the same time, I think this is um, one of the best explorations of Moe's character since, um, you know, since Flaming the Mo. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, one of the reasons, I'll be honest, one of the reasons why I do like this episode is because you go into a rant every now and again about how they want to do that spin-off show about Springfield that's mm. just about the rest of the characters. And I've maintained for a long time that one of the reasons why The Simpsons sucks so hard in later seasons is that they focus too much on the core family. And there's only so often you can rehash that, you know, Marge has repressed a lot of things and that Bart's a petty criminal and that Homer acts like a moron before these things get repetitive and predictable. Mm. And a lot of the episodes that I really like are episodes that kind of step outside the box, like the one with um, Principal Skinner getting engaged. Mm. Um, and the one with... Uh, but writing love letters to Mrs. Krabappel. Mm. Um, they, they have this ability to take these outside characters and give them a lot of depth. Mm. And it kind of uh, expands the focus of the show, and it makes it seem a lot more real as well, that you don't just have, you know, four really well-developed, well, four and a half really well-developed characters and then just a lot of background characters. I mean, that's what really separates The Simpsons from a lot of other shows. You, they have created a, a, an entire town full of full of very interesting, deep characters, which I, um, I mean, I like all of them, really. Um, My one bitch about Smallville, and I promise this will be the only episode where I talk about Smallville, <laughs> yeah. is in the first season, there's only one character within character development, and it's Whitney, and he gets killed off. <laughs> Alright, back to the Simpsons. 
Yeah, we're up to the, the Brady Bunch ripoff. The Simpsons family, smile, time, variety, variety hour. hour. Wayland Smith is dancing. Yeah, um, but actually, I've, I've got to admit, I'm, I'm not familiar with the, with the Brady Bunch um, variety show. Um, I never, I haven't watched any of it. I mean, have you actually been able to spy any of the, of that Brady Bunch show? Uh, I vaguely remember seeing bits of it. Uh, Brady Bunch weren't the only shows that did this. It, it was um, not uncommon for shows of that era to have their live specials, or um, you know, to be taped in front of a live studio audience and they kind of break that wall down. Mm. Um, and it was, once again, it's one of those things that's just referenced enough in pop culture that you can kind of pick up what's going on without being part of it. Um, thank God I wouldn't understand half of what's going on in The <laughs> Simpsons most of the time. Um, but yeah, they, they really were just as camp as this looks, and I think the humour was worse, if possible. <laughs> well, I don't know, I mean, like, because really the only uh, variety shows I'm really familiar with are, like, your, your Letterman, mm. uh, your Steve Weizard, which is a carbon copy of Letterman, <laughs> um, and Hey Hey It's Saturday, which was, was crap. Um, hey Hey Hey, it had a lot of potential. If I had it gone for another 15 years... Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh man! But um, and I mean, I've got, and they were quite different from the Brady Bunch variety mm. show. But oh, yeah. Of course, you know you can always ask the question of why are they making a 1970s style variety show in the 1990s. But let's just move past that. But well, we um, could also ask the question of yeah. why they're yellow. <laughs> let's keep on. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. Going on, going, returning to Matt Groening's bitches about this, <laughs> about this episode. You are Matt Groening's bitch. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, he didn't like the idea of breaking the fourth wall. Mm. Um, you know, and later on they break the fourth wall again with behind the laughter. Um, which was done better than this. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't like the idea of the characters becoming self-aware. That he liked the idea that the show was encapsulate in its own world mm -hmm. and that they didn't break out but that they live their lives as if everything was you know, encapsulated. It's, an, it's another universe. Yeah. Um, you know, and in Futurama, Simpsons is a TV show. Exactly. Uh, and so he did oppose this um, on those grounds, um, although I did actually quite like Behind the Laughter. Um, also... Another interesting omission is that yeah, the in the countries that it's not they actually said it's not really a parody of it, of anything in particular. That while there's a few references to the Brady Bunch special, it's it, there's certain parts like in here that it feels kind of random. It feels kind of Saturday Night Live, um, where they just sort of jump into bad sketches and they've got just interjections all over the place that feel kind of odd, and I didn't really find it all that funny. Um, <laughs> the, you know, yes, the first, I mean, the first few seasons of The Simpsons especially had random interjections, mm -hmm. um, which were very funny. And putting randomness that isn't funny tends to sour things a little bit. As Family Guy has shown. As Family Guy has shown. <laughs> well, Family Guy is another thing entirely. I think we'll leave my complaints about that. <laughs> for another time, but but yeah, so we've got this weird candy 
dance. I got to admit, one of the big things about showcases is that they have to have musical numbers that make no oh, sense. Yeah. And they tap that with this, but I do think that they... This bit's funny, though. Yeah. Lollipop. Lollipop. I do think one of the weaknesses of this one is that um, they focused on the bad humour. Like, the best thing of it is Waylon Smithers singing Crack That Whip. Mm. I mean, that's probably my favourite bit of the entire Simpsons happy hour whatever. Yeah. I suppose it's because it was um, satire, which was done well. It was done well. I mean... Um, oh, yes, with, oh, with the gum. But, yeah, like, with the whole sketch with the beavers, like, yeah, wow, you can write bad jokes, fucking well done. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, and, yeah, like I was saying, it, it, was, it did feel kind of random, did it? didn't it? it? Well, I could see why they went that way, because mm. these specials just were random and made no sense whatsoever. Mm. But I do think that they could have, you know, um, put some effort into it. Mm-hmm. And... Rather than just going, oh, look, we're referencing something, and it's bad, but we're referencing it, so, yeah, give us blowjobs or whatever. They could have, <laughs> they could have, you know, worked a bit harder and just pointed out some of the ridiculousness, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in, like, in a very, very much the same way as we praised the first section. Oh, yeah. Um, that it was, it, it, it was a little bit more interesting, making it more introspective would have, um drawn a bit more comedy out of it rather than scraping the well of, of bad humour. And also the thing that bugs me about this is it's meant to be um, Simpsons spin-off showcase and yet we have the Simpsons again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, touche. <laughs> I mean, how many freaking seasons do we have of these guys and, you know, yeah. they can't fill, what is it, 21 minutes with other characters? Yeah, they, they couldn't come up with three, um, three segments that didn't involve the Simpsons heavily. Um, you know what I'd love? Paddy and Selma travel show. That is a very interesting <laughs> idea, I've got to admit. Fox, if you're listening. Yeah, sure. Um, but, yeah, because yeah, they go travelling a lot and they annoy Homer with, with, um, with their slideshows, um, you know, with their, as being, being the gruesome twosome. But uh, that, is, that would be quite funny. <laughs> I've got to admit, that, 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 will make a, that will make a very good seven-minute special, like the seven-minute clip instead of this. Yeah. Anyway, can I... Can I go on my Osmodiar rant? Oh, go on your uh, Osmodiar rant. I really hate it. <laughs> You've been rehearsing this rant. I have been... Re- re- no, I haven't been rehearsing, but I wrote down a very big paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> go on your Osmodiar rant. The, the biggest problem I had with this Osmodiar thing... Okay, so we, we all know that Osmodiar is a bit of a payout of a Martian. I've gone that they bought into the Flintstones for two, for the last couple of seasons. And it spelled the death of the show, and it, and it sort of went downhill from there. Now, Osmodia was initially going to be in a straight up and down Simpsons episode. They initially devised, came up with him, and they were going to put him in one of the normal everyday scripts. And they took him out because some someone with, who was a little bit more switched on <laughs> said, no, this is a little bit too crazy. What, you mean like Ralph's Leprechaun? Yeah, um... <laughs> They can go to sort of get away with that because Ralph is a bit sort of funny in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, they so they went. So everyone was saying that's really stupid, but they're contemplating it for a normal episode. And one of this sort of very much is a reason why I don't like the later seasons. Is in the there are a lot of episodes in which the line between parody and parodied. Um, becomes blurry. Um, and there was one episode in which I think they were parodying Catch Me If You Can, and yes. where, where Bart, and Lisa, Bart and Lisa were chasing Homer and Marge, 
Like, my home, I was trying to get away from them because I think they wanted sex, wasn't it? Yeah. And it just went on and on, and I think it went for like five minutes or something. <laughs> it felt like it went for five minutes anyway. And, like, it was funny for the first ten seconds. And then I went, okay, when is this going to end? And <laughs> so there was this, I don't know, it, it very there's, much... There's a difference between parody and padding. Yeah, and it... The um, it's a big problem with satire in that you need to make sure that you are not becoming what you're making fun of, and this Osmodia joke very much encapsulates this problem that they that they keep that they can very easily fall into this hole, um, and that at time gets very frustrating. But anyway, so that's my little rant about that. So we've done, and that's the end of the episode. End of the episode. Um, if you want to yell at me for a while about, you know, all the different things I've sort of come out with in this, you can go to community... Com- community is it community or communities? HTTP, random punctuation, community.livejournal.com forward slash KBBL. Yeah, and you can email at kbbl.chat at gmail.com. Okay, I'll we'll see you in another podcast. <laughs>